You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to Crystal's Pirate Podcast with <laughs> her really good friends. Um, Brett is unable to join us. I have ousted him as leader of Southside Sox. I'm going to leave that in and not edit it out. Um, we are here today to grieve. Um, this is like a White Sox group therapy. Um, but yeah, I have my wonderful friends at Southside Sox. I have Jordan. I have Melissa, we've got Brian, Dante, Allie, and the one and only Tommy Barbie. I'm trying to channel my inner Brett. Um, so yeah, we are we are here to discuss what happened earlier today. By the time this goes up, but it'll be yesterday. If we want to talk about our new pitcher, that's fine, but I don't really care enough about him. Um, <laughs> we're mainly just here to focus on the GOAT, the one and only Jose Abreu. Um, I won't take up all of this time. I'm going to give my friends a chance to um, memorialize him, even though he's not dead. He's just dead to us now. So <laughs> take it from there. The shit sucks. <laughs> it's succinct. Genuinely, I was. I oh, think I, I said this earlier today. Like I. I'm very much like still young in my like fandom. Like I've always been a fan of the White Sox, but like I've just, you know, recently become emotionally invested in this team. So the fact that like this is the first player I've really had to like watch walk away and like actually feel that, like I did not expect to like be this heartbroken over a, a player, but I am. And yeah, it just really freaking sucks 
<laughs> and I'm on the other side of it where I've seen so many Sox players leave on bad and weird terms that I'm kind of numb to it, to be a little bit honest. Like I'm not as angry or emotional as I thought I would be so much as it's just like, I I don't know how the Sox can actually think that they're going to be an improved team in the short term or long term with this outcome and i just you know it sucks from the standpoint that here is another franchise player that is easily one of the best players of this generation one of the best players in franchise history and pretty much just kind of disappeared. And the next time fancy him, he's going to be in another uniform and it's going to be weird and awkward and, and all that. And it's just, it's not necessary. And that's our opening day game. Yeah. yeah. So that's a bitter pill to swallow. Absolutely. On national television, <laughs> regardless on ESPN, or is it the, is it that game or is some, one of the games in that series is on ESPN? It's, it it's, probably will be now. I mean, and even I think if it, was, it wasn't. Yeah, one of them was already on ESPN. It might have been the last game, but I think the first game, it might have been the first game, but whatever. It's, I agree, it sucks. And it's like, he's like the first, like, franchise, I, I, franchise legend. Let's call him that, because he is. The Got first fr- franchise legend that I've lived to see the whole career of, or been alive to see the whole career of, because it's like... Yeah, I was, you know, alive when, when Burley and, and Kurgo started, but it was like, I was a baby. I can't remember that, but it's like, I have seen Jose, at this point now, I guess I've seen Jose Abreu's entire White Sox career. And it sucks. It's like, it's, what's even, what makes it worse is that like, he was the, the Paul Kurgo heir apparent and then had, you know, they kept him on, they kept Kanurko on for like two, three years past when he should have been playing. And they couldn't, they couldn't give Jose Abreu another two, mm-hmm. three years. Yes, he deserves to go to a team that can win. I would prefer it wasn't Houston because that, that hurts a lot more. I, I've said this a couple of times. I'm, and this might be sacrilegious, but I, I would have rather he went to the Cubs than went to Houston. But it's same. It's, it's awful. It's like he could have gone, he could have, he could have gone to the Yankees and I would have been fine with it, to be honest. Anywhere (laughs) but Houston. I, cause now I have to actively, you know, hope for Houston to win a championship because I want a Bray to win one and we're not going to fucking win one anytime soon. So. It's sad. I, I hate it. I hate it here. I hate this team. <laughs> yeah, this team does not care about winning at all. Like, they are the ownership of this team. And I want to make sure this is clear for everyone in terms of the people that are upset at Jose Abreu. There's no reason to be upset with Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. He did the thing that's best for him and his family. And most importantly right now, his chances of getting a ring and his wallet. Mm-hmm. He got three years, 60 mil. He deserves it all. Because in baseball, baseball's the one sport where a lot of time you get paid paid off of your past achievements, which you've done in the past, which you used to do. And that's because of the whole stupid six-year clause, like six years before you're a free agent, all that stuff. We can go all day on that. But 
I am very sad for White Sox fans. I'm sad for the state of this team because if the White Sox are in third, I mean, a second place last year, next year, I'll be shocked. Then I don't think they're going to do the things to replace a bat like Jose Abreu. And we got people arguing, well, Eloy's going to be the DH, so we'll be fine. Or, well, if we stay healthy, we'll be fine. Andrew Vaughn's going to be the guy. But the thing is, Eloy has to be healthy. Eloy is about as healthy as me, and he has a lot more thing, a lot more resources at his disposal to stay healthy. <laughs> and Andrew Vaughn has been playing left field for the last two seasons and right field for the last two seasons. So we'll have to see how he can play at first base, despite the fact that he's spent almost no time there compared to what your typical first baseman will have done by now. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <sighs> I'm I'm older than Tommy, I think. I might be the oldest person here. And so, like Tommy, I've seen a lot of people come and go, gotten kind of used to kind of numb to the transitory nature of sports and the mercenary venality of the ownership over the years. And I really haven't idolized anyone since I was young, since I was a kid, since they were all older than me. But Jose is someone who changed that. Like, when he came to this team, I, I felt like a kid again. I felt like someone looking up to someone, you know, 20 years, my old, you know, elders, I was sitting in the backyard playing ball or something like that. And so seeing him go is just different than anyone else who's left Canerco, Burley, you know, any of those guys that I, you know, genuinely loved as players, but was it just different. He was a different kind of ball player. And yeah, the club is qualitatively worse. And I saw someone say today, you know, if Houston made this move, it's the smart move. Like we're a dumb team. Houston's a smart team. We didn't put one over on the Astros. And they got better, and we got worse, and we got less enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, just a, probably the last ball player that I think I'll really feel that passion about, just because now I'm mostly dead inside, too old for that. But, yeah, he was just – he was that guy. He was that guy that you loved to watch play and that made you happy about baseball. And it just sucks that it ends with such a, a whimper. Well, God bless you, Brian, because I'm pretty sure I'm older than you. So, <laughs> um, and I'm kind of between Tommy and Allie. Like, I've, I've been around long enough to have been through Harold and Fisk and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't know. This one kind of hits differently, I think, because of the kind of person Jose was on the field, like he just, the way he, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Fisk in the way, like he always played hard, like no matter what it was, you know, he was injured, he got concussed, whatever it was, he put it all out there. And I think that kind of player, you know, we've had some great ones, but in my fandom anyway, in terms of that, like he's been it for me in terms of just laying it all out there. And so knowing that those kind of players come along once in like a generation and that we let him walk. And um, I mean, if we knew he was going to walk, like why not trade him at the deadline? It's just so frustrating. It's just like mistake after mistake after mistake that this team just stumbles over their own feet constantly. Um, I think made this one a little bit harder to swallow for me. That's the part that kills me is that I, and I mentioned this earlier, like I, the Sox like to pretend that they're super loyal and all that. They're not, but you know, you look at the Rodon situation, you look at Abreu, you can go back through the history. The White Sox just let these guys go for free. And 
I I know that Jose must have assumed that there was going to be an offer coming his way eventually. But to me, the Sox telegraphed very early on that they had no intention of bringing him back this year. I think there were two things that needed to happen that didn't happen that kind of put the White Sox in an awkward spot. Number one, I think they were really hoping for Andrew Vaughn to prove that he was going to be the next guy, kind of like what Paul Canerco did with Frank Thomas, where it was just like, Mm -hmm. all right, Frank's hurt. Canerco has to take over for real 2005, win the world series. You have like your next first baseman. I think that's what they wanted to have happen. It didn't happen. And now it's like, well, you have to hope that Andrew Vaughn is really not just better than him as a player last year, but appreciably better to be a replacement for Jose Abreu. And the second thing is that it's like, okay, if you are going to get rid of him, just trade him at the trade deadline, get something out of it, and make it a big farewell, even if he doesn't want it to be, to say, hey, this situation isn't working out. You know, Andrew Vaughn's going to be the next guy coming on. Let's handle it the right way above board. But now they they just didn't do either of those things. And I just, I don't know why the Sox don't do even just like, it's not the right thing. It's just smart thing to do. Like if you're Mm -hmm. not going to be committed enough to keep these guys on board as veterans, then at least do what other smart teams do that don't want veterans and trade them for valuable assets that can turn into guys that make your roster better they just let them walk yeah and I think that's like the biggest struggle too Tommy you bring up is like Jose was very like I love Jose and I I he wasn't every he wanted to be on the field every day and I think like that put the White Sox in a rock in a hard place like like you said like then maybe if they weren't gonna keep him around they should have traded him because at the end of the day like Jose does not want to DH. He's been very adamant about how he doesn't like DHing. And like in order to successfully transition from Andrew Vaughn, from a veteran like Jose Abreu to Andrew Vaughn at first base, like there needs to be like Abreu DHing on a more consistent basis. And if that's not something he was willing to give up, then like he had every right to walk. And that's exactly what he did. And I, I think where I get angrier is the fact that this was always the scenario, like you said, and we so much as patted him on the back and sent him out the door. Like there was, he didn't even play in the last game of the season, which apparently he asked to not play. I don't buy that. Um, Like he, there was no proper send off other than some really like, like a social one social media post of like Jose thanking the fans at the end of the season. That was like really ominous. Like nothing was really said. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Rick Hahn and Pedro Grafal are, are dodging questions at their presser and either, you know, their first off season pressers about kind of where his role is like own up to the fact that he's not coming back and then give him a proper send off and thank him for the, the duty that he, he has provided here for the last eight years, because I think a lot of morale has been kept high with, just his energy and his work ethic. And I think, you know, that, that says a lot about, you know, not only the player he is, but the person he is. So yeah. His generational impact. I mean, half the lineup for the White Sox probably wouldn't be on the roster if it weren't for Jose Abreu. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the influx of Cuban players, most of them have said, 
Jose Abreu coming to the White Sox, showing what he has shown, proving what he has proved. That's what brought so many people to the White Sox organization. And you're just like, oh, well, we don't have a spot for you. So I, bye. Like that, that is just shitty on so many levels. But that's supposed to motivate too. That's supposed to motivate. Did you know? Like I saw that all over social media today. That's supposed to motivate Yasmani and Luis. It's oh, going to motivate sure. them to be the, and I'm like, oh, come on. If anything, that's completely deflating like exactly you you ripped our leader away from us without even acknowledging what was going on uh it's yeah any any goodwill from the managerial hire just completely evaporated and yeah like ali you were saying i mean you know it was they were between a rock and a hard place and i guess that's true what's really frustrating is that like they put themselves there like you were saying like we knew this was coming and they didn't do anything about it like i had this really dumb vision today of like a guy who invents a machine that that uh, hits his knee with a ball peen hammer every like 20 minutes. Like he built that for some reason. And then he turns down the interval. So it hits him only like once every half hour. He's like, well, I did what I had to do to be better. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have invented that fucking thing in the first place. Like, why, why would you do that? So that's sort of what we did. And they're like, you know, in a vacuum, this move might make sense, but it just speaks to the institutional incompetence and just the, just the grinding failure of making decisions on a, on a daily and yearly basis you just described the recon decision making process and i i'm I'm loving the mental image that i have in my head and then if you think about it it goes back to even the i mean andrew vaughn was you know a good draft pick especially for the third overall pick but it goes back to drafting you know a, a first baseman in 2019 when you've got jose abreu at 32 that year and his still playing like great baseball, still playing like three, four war baseball that he continued to do and fucking won MVP with in 2020. It's I think that's the other thing is it's like he, as much as 2020 was, you know, a shortened season and everything in that season is essentially a fluke. He won MVP. You're, it also feels like they're, they're celebrating, like they're not celebrating like he's supposed to, like he is, he had he has more career value in eight years of playing than Paul Conrico did for his entire career. It's like he is he is both probably one of the I probably actually no not probably he is the best White Sox hitter since I don't know probably Frank Thomas. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was I'm, I, yeah. And and you're and you're celebrate you're not celebrating any of that. It's like had they, I don't even mind that they didn't trade him. I a little bit. It's like okay, yeah, they didn't trade him. Maybe maybe Rickon and his fucking delusions thought they were going to get better for that second half, even though he did nothing at the trade deadline. <laughs> maybe he's like, we're going to make the playoffs. We need Jose for the playoffs. But give the dude a fucking send off. If he doesn't want to play the last game. Then make the second to last game the fucking send off. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just give him something. Dude's like, you know, historically good for this team. And I and I swear to God, if he doesn't get his number retired, I I will cease to be a fan of this team because it is that would that's the biggest insult. Is it's like if they do nothing in the future for Jose Abreu, that that makes it even worse. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, 
the White Sox just they can't do the simple shit right. Like <laughs> even the Cubs, the Cubs just like they gave Jason um, Jason Haywood all of the theatrics, and Jason Haywood mean like Jason Haywood means a lot to that franchise because of the World Series and the speech and all that between in you know during the rain delay, all that stuff. Jason Hayworth means nothing compared to what Jose Abreu means to the White Sox. And the fact is, the White Sox, like, Jose Abreu's jersey should have been retired the moment they decide, like, his jersey should be retired the moment Houston comes to Chicago next year. He should have a statue already ready because that's how much he means to this team. He is, in my opinion, Mr. White Sox of this generation. Like, he is that guy. And you have to honor that guy. Like we've already, we were talking about Mark Burley earlier and how he wasn't honored the way he should be honored because the White Sox suck at this. And like Jose didn't even get a standing ovation in the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he didn't play. You got to have done this defensive substitution. You got to have done some stupid shit to make it seem better. Like why would anybody specifically in this case, Cuban players, why would you come to the White Sox? Like, yes, we have a great Cuban history, but the current regime does not care about any of that. They just care about making sure they make money and stay in second place so they don't have to spend too much. But they get enough of your enough love that fans come to every game. Except I went to a good amount of games this year. People were not in there. People did not go to games. Because when you suck, you don't get fans to come in. Unless you're a team like the Cubs, a true big market team. Because, yeah, we're in the same market, but we don't mean as much as the Cubs. Like, that's just a fact. So the White Sox, what they need to do is they have to treat players better. They have to go sign players. Like, we're talking about there's only five five to 15 million left in the budget, and this is a sport without cap. Like, if you're not going to commit to winning, why would I play for your team? If you're not going to commit to winning, why would I root for the team? And you're not going to commit to honoring your best players in the history of franchise. And Jose is like top five easily, in my opinion, for the franchise. Then why would anyone care about the Chicago White Sox outside of the people that get paid by the Chicago White Sox? Even why would they care? You think Lucas Giolito wants to resign with the Sox at this point? You think Dylan Cease is resigning? You think Tim Anderson is like, yeah, I'm resigning next year. I'm ready to resign. No, because they just saw the dude that's been leading the team for the last eight years get treated like shit on his way out because they just do not care about treating people properly because they are, at the end of the day, Jay Reinsdorf's favorite team to make money off of, even though the Bulls have made him probably substantially more money. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point in that too because you mentioned the $15 million that they have left. And given that Clevenger's deal, for God knows what reason, went from what seemed to be a reasonable 8 to closer to 12, the Sox don't even have a ton of room to fill out the rest of the roster based on the gaps that we all know they have to really make this work. So, I I mean, I know Rick Hahn already said we're going to look at trades and that might make a difference, but it's just, it doesn't feel good knowing that the most productive player is no longer on the roster and now you're just kind of, you know, wishing against hope and good luck, you know, Good health and good fortune is somehow going to go go the Sox way this year. <laughs> well, all the vibes are pointing in the right direction, so why not? Exactly. 
we we have the best strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> Wait until you see the new stretches that they're doing. It's going to be amazing. Go to the yeah, exactly. Yeah, I leave when the game starts. Ev- yeah. Everybody come early and just watch them stretch in the outfield. It's going to blow your mind. Jeff Head is going to take them all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to what Jordan was talking about in terms of of drafting, and I'm one of those people that do you you do you draft the best player, even if it doesn't fulfill an immediate need that you have on your team. But what I understand is knowing that they had Jose and Jose still being young, young ish at the time, why not use Andrew Vaughn as a trade piece back then to something that could have really benefited the team? Like somebody needed a, my dog, somebody needed a really good first base prospect. So wasn't there a really good, you know, right field prospect maybe that somebody wanted to trade up that part is frustrating to me too it's like up and down no matter where you look in this team there's just problem after problem after problem Alyssa we're dealing with Rick Hahn (laughs) unfortunately the draft issue goes beyond Rick Hahn that's just organizational incompetence that the White Sox have always had because the reason why Andrew Vaughn was drafted and this was even noted in the draft itself. So this isn't revisionist history. He was the safest pick on the board because so he was a college bat. He won the award for best hitter. It You didn't run the risk of a high school or a younger age player where you tend to have to pay more for the bonuses, which the White Sox never do. And that's why the White Sox don't draft well. He is as safe a pick as it came. That's why they picked him. And it was like, all right, even if his bat doesn't fully develop, which honestly, it looks like this is about it. We can plug him in and he's going to be a formidable starting player for a major league roster. Unfortunately, that means that his value and interest to other teams is next to nothing because first base prospects don't net you very much. They don't really care. So that's where the trade-off starts where it's like, all right, you went with the safest pick, which means you get the highest floor, but you also get the lowest ceiling. And that's where, once again, the White Sox kind of getting in their own way becomes a much bigger issue than it should be. I nominate Tommy Barbie to now take over draft for the (laughs) Chicago White Sox. (laughs) I I hate to interrupt, but um, as of three minutes ago, the Houston Astros have sent out the welcome to Houston Jose tweet. So Awesome. <sighs> Meanwhile, the White Sox, Cyber Monday, guys. Let, let's let's get those <laughs> tickets going. Have they even Clevenger yet? <laughs> That's what I was to say. Have they even mentioned Clevenger not yet? Or like well, it's just like we're gonna no. wait to we're looking at like that's gonna be the thing that rips the band-aid off. Well it's just like, hey, we spent some of that money on this guy that has what a four ERA and like just doesn't do anything. For you really like just it's Mike Clevenger. There are, there are better pitches out there. Yeah, one of those better pitches was on the White Sox in 2021. And now he's gonna command a probably a seven seven year, two hundred million dollar deal or something like that. You know, he's gonna get paid pretty well, which means you know, they could have used the qualifying offer on Rodon last year. They just decided no. They could have tried to sign Jose or trade Jose. They said no. They just their level of incompetence is insane from that team. 
and the by far the most incompetent team in Chicago. Because in a lot. Oh, only in Chicago? Shit, you could say all Major League Baseball. (laughs) We might be able to say all the sports at times. Like I said earlier. I said earlier, like that the like we say in in football spots, we say the Bears are the Knicks of the of (laughs) football. We say I'm gonna say now that the White Sox are the Washington Commanders of baseball because they can't get shit right at all. And they have a legacy from the past. But hell, even the commanders have three championships from back when they was called from when they had a horrible name. Like nothing about this, about this organization has true meaning because like Tommy said, they're not actually loyal to anything except their wallets. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. We're all big fans. Well, and this just leads back to the conversation of this is a systemic front office problem. Like nothing about this organization and the way that this, this team is run is going to change until there is a complete turnover of that front office. And that includes, you know, keeping veterans around like Jose or signing long-term deals that make sense or actually making valuable trades or building up morale and actually utilizing the tools that you have. Like nothing is going to get fixed. You can hire all of the great coaches or managers you want, but until Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and everyone else over there are gone like nothing is going to change and I think like that is the thing that we keep looping back to as we continue to have these off-season conversations about trades and signings and letting Jose Abreu walk and signing Mike Clevenger and all of these things like it 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 all loops back to the front office is the problem do, do we feel the- any better if they trade for Colton Wong <laughs> like I, uh, I, I mean- do <laughs> I, yeah, like no, I'm trying nothing. to, I'm trying to find some light because I'm feeling I am the glass half empty person, but I'm feeling a lot of gloom today. So I'm like, can we? Is there anything we can look forward to? Melissa, um, Melissa, we have we we still have a veteran presence on the team. We actually still have the longest tenured uh, player on the team, <laughs> Legend, baby. Larry Garcia. <laughs> somehow, somehow, I bet he gets a statue before Obrey. Exactly. <laughs> He's going to get a statue before Abreu. Tommy, we've I been would... on the same wavelength all day today, haven't we? We have. It's because we knew that we would finally see each other again. Great minds. <laughs> Missed you so much. So I will jump in and say, like, I was late to the the White Sox fandom, and that's fine. But Jose Abreu was what initially really brought me there because I was like, this guy is like, magnetic he's fun to watch he's so good you know he's not called the rbi merchant for nothing and so that was kind of my final like push to join this white Sox team and 
I went through it last year with Carlos Rodon where I was just sitting there like in tears and I don't even cry. And I'm like, why am I crying over a player that doesn't know me at all? But then I was like, but you come to just grow so attached to these players all the time and you just love them as if they're your own. Like I have a Jose Abreu little mini stuffed animal and Hmm. like, that's just how much, you know, these, these players mean to you after a little while. So man, like, I have fresh makeup on, so I can't cry yet, but like, I feel it. I feel it coming later. I'm just so <laughs> bummed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of talk of how we're, you know, worse, the analytics of it, the front office situation. But at the end of the day, it's just a freaking bummer. Like, it just sucks to not see him in a uniform. It sucks that he's not going to be winning a championship with the White Sox. It sucks that we're not going to be able to talk about when he got what he deserved by leading this franchise that he did so much for in so many really shitty years and just kept us enjoying it, that he's not going to get that. And we're not going to get to see him win a championship. And it just, it's one of the big frustrations of being a sports fan. We have no control over it. We're at the whims of some rich idiots and their dumb lackeys and it just fucking sucks. And like Jordan said earlier, now we have to like actively hope that the Astros can do it again. Because Jose is the most deserving person on that team of a ring. So man. I wouldn't go that far, but the Astros. Well (laughs) in my heart (laughs) I I mean look I'm I, that's why I said I can't even be mad at the situation. I am so happy for Jose Abreu to be in a competent organization where, like, you don't have dudes looking up to 14 year olds for leadership or people slicing <laughs> up jerseys or managers falling asleep. Like, it, it is going to be a great experience for him. But I think what sucks to me the most is that. I don't think White Sox fans fully appreciated what Jose Abreu brought to the table. And I think that because so much of his career was spent during the awful rebuilding years and so much of his, so many of his accolades were overlooked, frankly, by other players that played on better teams that I really don't think he got the appreciation he deserved. And it, it's weird hearing people talk about, oh, he's too old or the Astros way overpaid or he's due to regress anyway. And it's just, he was the best player on the team last year. Like, and it, to me, it's not even a question. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where I think like five years from now, it's going to be one of those great WTF moments in White Sox history But for right now, it's just like the people like us that know that have an appreciation for White Sox team and the history, we get what he meant to the roster and the franchise. But I don't think most people will get it until three, four or five years from now. Also, he's my age, so that's not really old. And (laughs) honestly, I hope he just pulls a Carlos Rodon and like curb stomps the White Sox on opening day. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, he will. He'll pull a Frank Thomas, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I think actually playing in Chicago really hurt Jose Abreu in terms of like national recognition and appreciation for what kind of a player he was. And I think I shared in our, in our group chat the other day, an article 
um, where a, a writer actually broke down that Jose is the second best hitter that was available in free agency. I mean, that's incredible. And for, you know, just seeing kind of on social media and things today, just casting Jose aside, well, it's just time to move on. It's time to move on. Like, had he not had to wait so long to to get to the U.S. to play Major League Baseball, he would have been a slam dunk into the Hall of Fame. And Absolutely. there's not a lot of White Sox players who've been in the Hall of Fame. So, like, I just think, like Tommy said, I just think that there's a huge lack of appreciation, not only in Chicago for the impact player that Jose is, but nationally, what kind of player he is and good for Houston. And it's really going to hurt to see them hoist that uh, World Series banner against us on opening day and see him in that uniform. It's kind of just funny because remember 2005, the White Sox beat the Astros in the World Series for their championship. And now we get to see the Astros, like you said, hoist one up against the White Sox with the guy that's been the face of the franchise for the better part of a decade on their team playing first base, probably batting his traditional number three spot. Like, it's nasty. I don't love it. I'm not one of the people that hates the Astros as much as most, but also just no, just no, you don't. These are things you're not supposed to allow as a franchise. You don't just let your best player walk on weird on weird terms. And you just – I hate it. I hate it so much. I went and just took my baseball bat and hit the ground a few times this afternoon when I got the news because I was just – so much pain. Like, the, my favorite Jose Abreu moment, because I was going to suggest we should do favorite moments, was um a game I went to 2014, 15, something like that. And I think he got hit by a pitch and hit. And he stayed in, like, there's a whole big brawl. One of the Sox gets hit by a pitch, and there's a big brawl. And Jose ends up hitting, like, a home run. Funny enough, I'm pretty sure it was against the Astros. Can't find the specific game because I'm too lazy to find the exact things. <laughs> but, yeah, like, just moments like that that shows how much of a leader Jose is. I've seen people say, how can he be a clubhouse leader? He doesn't even speak English. I'm like, one. That's racist as hell for golf. Two and more importantly, most of the teams speak Spanish. Yeah. Like, that mean like, and also leading by example is leadership. People saying we people say we don't like a quiet leader. Jose Brady wasn't quiet as a leader. He was the guy that went on the field and showed you how to play. It's like what they were saying about Johnny Cueto for like Luis Robert and other young dudes this year. The guy that has you up in the stands running up and down the stands because he's showing you how he can stay this good at his age compared to most players crashing at the age of 30. Yeah, Dante Dante brought up favorite Jose Abreu moments and I'm 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 inclined to continue the train. Um I think it's got to be when he hit like fucking five home runs in two games against the Cubs in 2020 en route to almost hitting 20 home runs in a 60-game season, which is still – he hit nine – I mean, as much as as much as much he hit 15 home runs this year and was way less than, than 2020, it's even more impressive to have hit 19 in 60 games and, and just fucking mashing on the Cubs. Every time he mashed on the Cubs was just a, a great time. And I think losing that is going to be – 
I mean, we've still got Eloy shitting on the Cubs, but but Jose Abreu shitting on the Cubs was was also great because it was just like he he's 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 had that grudge because he's you know part of the team, he's part of the franchise. He feels he understands the rivalry because he's been here so long, and now it's like, oh, I guess I guess we got to hope Eloy stays healthy enough to where he can actually play the games against the Cubs. Uh, yeah. Great. I'll say my I what I'm gonna miss the most is kind of my favorite are just his antics in the dugout because he's just he's a big kid at heart like he's such a goober and <laughs> I just think about like him building the fort in the dugout because you know it's August and it's hot and he's like sitting there relaxing in a fort and letting Andrew Vaughn crash it at times like it's just little things like that that I'm just I'm going to really miss because I don't want to watch a bunch of Astros games and have them pan to Jose there. So just him being so silly in the clubhouse in the dugout and like random TikToks because for some reason I follow the White Sox on TikTok too. Like I'm just gonna miss that goofiness and that energy that he brings to this team. I really hope the Astros don't suck that out of him. They feel like such a serious baseball team that I, I I worry that 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 might get lost, and that would be that would be even sadder than him leaving. It's him leaving and losing that that childlike wonder of the game. I believe in Jose Abreu so much. I think he's going to change the Astros more than they'll change him. I'd like to think so. It's pretty to think so. Anyway, I think. One of my favorite is uh, from this year, actually, which is weird to say, um, in September against the Twins when he got hit by a pitch and walked it off on that, or we thought he did. And, like, he was sprinting around the diamond and doing that, as Chris was saying, his big goofy laugh and just being really excited, and they reviewed it, and it wasn't actually hit by pitch. And he had to come back, and he still hit a walk-off single. And, like, he was so happy and excited, but then, you know, there's the adrenaline, there's the fireworks. And then it was kind of like, all right, no, then he's got to go back and do his job. And he still did his job every single time, no matter how much fun he's having, no matter how goofy he was, to get his heart rate back down, to hit a major league pitch after sprinting around the bases. Like, it just showed his joy of the game, but his also absolute dedication to being a great baseball player. And in what was still a lost season, to be able to have that mental wherewithal, just love the guy. Just love the guy. My uh, moment was at the Field of Dreams game. Uh, when Jose hit the first ever home run in Iowa baseball history. Um, and it was just fitting. I mean, it, it, the whole experience was amazing just being there, but for Jose to hit that first bomb was, was incredible. And I will always, always remember that. Absolutely. That's awesome. I think mine is not so much like Jose on the like Jose on the field and I echo everyone saying like his goofy personality in the dugout um and like I think just like him sprinting into the dugout after like he catches the final out just like very seriously like it just dashing was just always hilarious but um I remember back in the winter of 2013 before he signed with the team like that was the first prospect my grandfather like ever really like talked with me about. And I think like, it was so cool. Cause like, I think I mentioned this earlier, like he was like, he's going to change the South side and like, 
this guy is like this next like big prospect from Cuba and like, we're going to sign him and it's going to be so cool that he's coming to the South side because like all of these teams want him and like, he's coming here. And so like, I just cherish the memory of like my grandfather being so excited about him because like he grew up like back, you know, like Southside Hitman and like all of those great teams like back then. And so like for him to be excited about a new generation of baseball as like I was growing into the fandom was super cool. And then like him like getting here and then being as good as everyone said he was going to be was just like even better that like we got to enjoy the buildup of like, who is this guy, this 28 year old rookie that's coming. And then he was like everything that we were sold. Yeah. I love that. The fact that he chose us too. He chose the White Sox. is kind of poignant at this point. And it's like, you know, if you love something, let it go. And it kind of feels like a little bit with him, but it's like, he, it's not us letting go, it's him letting go because, you know, he chose us and he's got to let go to, you know, get the things he really wants. Jordan, you're making me cry, like, I, legit. I, like, seriously, dude. I, I'm kind <laughs> what of the heck? Little... <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the alley adventures clearing so many times. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was wonderful. I don't, I don't know what else anyone can say about Jose Abreu. You know, obviously I hope he gets his ring, but damn, man, this is like a hole in all of our hearts right now, I think. And it's going to take a couple of days to really process that, which is ridiculous because this is just a baseball team and they don't know us. But again, like, I'm I'm in mourning. Please don't call. Please don't text. Let me cry in my bed for three days in all black and you know. Um, but yeah, I think we won't talk your ear off for much longer. We all miss Jose Abreu already. It sucks to see him on the Astros Twitter account in an Astros uniform. That's gonna sting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody it's has any final weird. thoughts, here's your time. Get them out before we wrap up this group therapy session. When we're ready to exit out, I can exit us out with a wonderful lyric from uh, Boys to Men. <laughs> it's so hard to you say, say goodbye, goodbye to yesterday. Nobody quit the day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Also, I love the fact that we keep doing these podcasts and we never talk about the like the thing that people want here. Like Mike Clevenger signed. What about him? And it's just like fuck Mike Clevenger. They just let Jose walk. Also, <laughs> fuck Mike Clevenger for being a COVID idiot back in 2020. The guy himself traded to the Padres. Like me and Clevenger will always have beef with that because I just hate that type of stuff. If he shows up with those two really gross-looking, like ugly braided ponytails i <laughs> will bring scissors and <laughs> you'll pull it for sale, sale. You're so yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it you can't do that because then he'll get like the ball still fanboys on you and then we have to go beat up white Sox dave which is some oh that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> I'm going to censor that name. 
good idea. That is my bad. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know how to edit video. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. Thank you again to Jordan, Melissa, Brian, Dante, Allie, and Tommy for grieving and helping me get through this loss. I hope it helps you, our dear listeners or watchers on YouTube. Um, Meantime, take it easy. Reply with some of your favorite Abreu memories so that we can all cry while reading the comments. And we will see you again soon, maybe to discuss our new pitcher. But again, probably not. We don't want to talk about him. Um, So yeah, unless the new pitcher is (laughs) what Dante. I was saying, unless the new pitcher's last name is Verlander Degrom or Rodon. We will not. Yeah, be that'll back. show the Astros. We got okay. Verlander. Now what? Yeah, unless those, yeah, unless it's one of those names, plan. we will not be back to discuss new pictures until the next <laughs> time we do a podcast, more likely. Because honestly, it's the White Sox, and who cares about the White Sox at this point? Your 2023 starter, Dallas Keuchel, coming back from the dead. Oh, God. Please don't. Please, please do not put that on me. No, do not put that into into a universe. Like, because then I will have to run into the field to get banned from the stadium for fighting Dallas Keiko. And I don't want to. I'll join you. The Sox are going to punk us all, and Aaron Judge is going to be the next new Chicago White Sox. I would shit my pants. (laughs) Aaron Judge, I'm going to say it now. If Aaron Judge is a White Sox on opening day 2023, I will go get a White Sox tattoo for my first tattoo. Ooh. I will kiss. I will Rick commit Han. to it. Open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would kiss Rakan open mouth if he signed Aaron Judge. Absolutely. Like, I will delete I, every bad tweet I've ever made. Rub <laughs> my Twitter. I wouldn't have any tweets left. <laughs> I, I will. I will personally spit shine Jerry Reinsdorf's food. <laughs> I mean, my pen tweet would have to get deleted because it's. We talked about the White Sox. We talked about Rick Hahn. He sucks. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> we'll see you again soon. Sorry for all the f words, Mom. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> Walking us off. Oh dear.